Welcome to Conversations with Leaders, Ask the AWS Strategist Edition. Today, Ashit, Brian, and I talk about the trends we and our customers are experiencing. It's been insightful to hear how leaders are adapting and yet maintaining momentum as business as we know it changes. Inclusiveness and communication are two central trends we hear. Listen in as we discuss these and other issues that are top of mind with leaders today. Okay, so uh, let's talk about what we're seeing uh, out there today. Um, you know, we're still meeting with customers and we're doing a lot of uh, remote meetings with them. And uh, I know I've been hearing some interesting things, but I'm, I'm curious from you guys, uh, what are you hearing out there? What are some of the challenges and what are, what are you advising uh, customers do? Yeah, you're, you're right. So there's definitely been an increase in, in virtual engagements. And I think the, the interesting thing about it is I've been, so we have EBCs um, and, uh, you know, f- companies typically travel in and, and spend a day or two days with us, you know, out in Seattle. And I've, I've been doing them remotely for a while, but it's, it's been the exception. Um, and Jake, as you, as you know, we're spinning up, you know, a new virtual EBC offering to, to see if, you know, one, we can still provide value and, and help our customers in a meaningful way, um, without being in the same room. And, you know, I suspect it'll, it'll still be effective. We'll have to see how it, how it goes. It's, uh, it's definitely an experiment we're running. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, one of the things that, uh, I've been hearing, uh, and discussing with customers, especially is how to deal with some of the midterm to long-term initiatives that are going on. Uh, how do you gracefully, uh, either slow down, refocus your priorities uh, around what is happening while uh, still continue the momentum that you had going in. Uh, in some cases, the priorities are shifting because of just the business uh, uh, has shifted uh, and the needs are different now. Uh, but in other cases, leaders are also looking at ways to continue the momentum uh, and restart the initiatives without having to spend a lot of time um, when they come back. So that is one uh, key area of discussions that I've been having with customers. Yeah, and I've, I've actually seen some customers spinning up initiatives, um, you know, around transformation kind of uh, from that perspective, looking long-term still have the, the same expectations for the business, even though it may be challenged currently. You know, but we're working with them to develop a strategy and and try to keep things moving. So, it's definitely it's a mixed bag, right? I mean, it, it there's all sorts of things going on right now that um, make it an interesting time. Yeah, agility cuts both ways, right? I mean, having agility uh, allows you to um, mitigate risk, but it also allows you to seize opportunities. And so, what I'm seeing is, you know, there's always been kind of two kind of categories of of, of executive. Um, and we, we, we have these archetypes um, that we, we articulate, you know, in some of our presentations, you know, we had the risk averse and you have the opportunity seeking. And, you know, the, a person can kind of switch between them, but uh, the conversations tend to be kind of one of those categories, uh, I find. Um, so I, I find both of those conversations to be fascinating because they're both problems to solve. And I think most companies are, and most leaders are kind of facing both of these things at the same time. How can we reduce our risk while we can seize on opportunities that may be emerging. Yeah. And I think, I think the, the challenging aspect uh, of leadership and um, looking at sort of my own experience, uh, 
The first time uh, I managed a team that was uh, global, a uh, large part of it was virtual, uh, it was not something that I was used to. Um, I was used to working with teams that were uh, co-located um, and I could uh, get up, talk to them, and they could uh, come and talk to me face to face. When I took on a role years back where I had team uh, in Asia, in Europe, uh, multiple locations in US, uh, we had to change how we collaborated. Uh, we had to change how we communicated with them. And I had to be comfortable with in setting up a new mechanism to make sure that it was still an environment where the teams felt like they were part of the same team, regardless of where they were, right? And one of the um, one of the simple thing that we did was um, in our staff meeting, we actually flipped um, between uh, our morning and uh, say Asia's morning, right? So every month we would actually alternate so that uh, one month it would be say 10 a.m. our time. Uh, the next month it would be 10 p.m. our time, but 10 a.m. their time. Um, and it was just a way to really make sure that uh, we were much more inclusive in how we uh, communicated, how we collaborated with virtual teams around the world. That's such a great idea. Yeah, and that, that's the trick, right? Is it, it is a behavioral um, change and it's, it, that's what makes it challenging. The good news is that the tech has been around and been maturing for a while, right? You look at, um, you know, whether it's Amazon Chime or uh, Slack have been, uh, you know, really, really great and improving over many years that at least that's there for us to adopt, even though um, that doesn't make it easier necessarily, but it's it's certainly better than the alternative. How do you, uh, so that's a, that's a good point, Brian. Um, one question I had, and I want to really uh, take your opinion on how are you guys uh, sort of dealing with this? Uh, what do you what do you find different about being in front of the camera um, most of the day and having all your interaction through videos and are there specific techniques that you are using um, to either cope with that or uh, take greater advantage of it? Uh, how is it different? It's it's absolutely different. Yeah, it's um, it's exhausting. I mean, really, right? And and it's funny how. You're, you would think working from home um, would be more flexible, but I think it's easier to get tied to your desk and and be back to back and be on video a lot. And so you have to you have to be much more intentional to get up and take a break, um, you know, and 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 not not have your day go from from six a.m. to you know to ten p.m. because I think it 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 easily could because it's always there. So you have to kind of create that physical separation, but it's also been an opportunity for us. You know, I, I dug out my, uh, my old DSLR and, um, using it to record some videos where I can't do presentations now, where we typically fly to locations and present in front of audiences, not an option. Um, so trying to record that and, and still share the information out so that our, our customers can, can benefit and learn and, um, and not miss a beat from that perspective. So try, trying to kind of go with the flow and make the most out of it. Yeah, I think one of the uh, one of the things I was talking to a customer this week and uh, they actually organized uh, for the whole team in lieu of sort of an in-person town hall, uh, they organized uh, a virtual game where uh, 
uh, there wasn't business talked about, but everybody came together on video and they uh, they played as a department. They played uh, a quiz and uh, uh, it was a fun way for everybody to come together, engage and a little bit sort of, you know, uh, drop their guard because it can be hard being on camera and virtually talking to people all the time uh, where you don't have uh, sort of that opportunity to get up um, and have a small talk. Because what happens when a virtual dialogue a lot of time is, um, you would you would really come to the business very quickly, right? Versus, hey, how was your commute and how was your train ride and you know did subway suck or not today? Well, it, right, it's those side conversations that don't happen anymore, right? I, I we've been um, FaceTiming with friends, and which is crazy that this is the first time we've you know done that. Really, we have friends that you know in different cities across the country, and um, we only get together when we're in person. And so we've, we've started doing that, which has been amazing. It's been, it's been really great to connect with, with those friends, but it's, it's interesting to see that you're, you end up talking, you know, my wife and I are talking to another couple and it's, it's a four way conversation, right? We're all engaged in the same, same topic and, um, and dialogue where if we were in, in person, you know, sometimes the, the men would break off and you end up with, um, uh, just just a different experience so it's 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 been great but it's been different at the same time yeah i think that's a, from a leadership standpoint that's a good point brian because in a virtual conversation um if you're in a room right how it's uh there are other tools that you can use to make discussion much more inclusive to make sure especially if it's a room full of 10 or 12 people that everybody has an opportunity to weigh in and uh speak uh, in a virtual room, it becomes harder. Um, and uh, I think so as leaders, personally, I find that uh, uh, you have to be even more mindful and intentional about engaging uh, your teams um, when everyone is virtual and make sure that um, you you give an opportunity for everyone to speak, maybe break down in smaller groups because it's uh, sometimes easier to talk to and have a conversation with three or four people at a time than having uh, uh, 12 little tiles on the screen uh, and talking to that. Yeah, that's one thing that's completely different now is uh, the more people that join the meeting, the smaller everyone gets. No, so do you guys remember there was a, a video that went out of an in-person meeting in a conference room? reenacted as if it were a conference call. <laughs> yeah. <Yes>. It's really <laughs> yeah. funny um to watch and so true. But um the reason I think I thought about that is because I, I do think video is so important to because you can pick up the cues, right? And see that somebody's trying to talk. And so video to me is very helpful in in being more inclusive, like you're saying, but it it is still a challenge when everybody's uh you know, video shrinks as more and more people enter the, the conversation. Yeah, one of the interesting uh, thoughts uh, that uh, I read somewhere on social media was, uh, especially in large video meetings, the size of your box would uh, uh, should get smaller or bigger based on how much airtime you're taking. <laughs> so it's sort of a good way to visually indicate uh, <laughs> if you're taking too much of airtime. <laughs> Or the other way around. Right. You know whose turn it is one way or That's another. perfect. Because also the person who doesn't speak up will just get bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, it's, it's definitely a new skill for most of us, right? I mean, we've all done video calls before, but not, not with this frequency. And so it's interesting how like, um, you know, we get to see 
everybody, including ourselves, kind of be a beginner again at something and kind of all collectively learn how to do this. And uh, I think it's getting better. I think we're getting better at it. You know, we're getting, we're getting better at it. We're, um, we're learning not to kind of step on each other when we're talking quite as much. Um, you know, we're learning how to engage better. Um, I think especially with, uh, with customers, but also within, with internal meetings, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to not pay attention on a virtual meeting. You know, for one thing, you could just turn your camera off, just go do something else. Right. But even with the camera on, I mean, people are looking at their screens and maybe typing in another window. Um, it's much more rude to do that in person. So I think we're kind of learning new etiquette and there's definitely a learning curve, but I'd say we're getting better at it overall. How do you, how do you also, I think one of the things is, uh, uh, and each one of us have managed large teams, right? Um, in a, in a virtual environment, what happens is the teams that you or team members that you closely work with tend to interact and communicate much more, but that sort of you're part of a bigger team, larger organization, uh, and you're part of this big family, how do you sort of keep that going so that you don't end up talking to just seven, eight people that you work with on a regular basis uh, and not rest of the department, right? So how do you really bring these disparate teams together as leader? I think that is one very interesting challenge Mm -hmm. in this time as well. Yeah, I I thought I'd manage a large team until I met you guys. I mean, even, even around like, I think, you know, the, 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 the thresholds about a hundred or 200, like as, as humans, where beyond that, we have a very tough time keeping track of everybody. Um, but even at the low end of that, I mean, it's, it takes a deliberate effort to, um, to ensure that everyone has a voice and that you're accessible to everyone. And, uh, I can only imagine what it gets like once it gets above a thousand. Yeah. So what are what are some of the uh, what are some of the techniques that you guys have used uh, in your experience in your past in sort of dealing with that being accessible, being reachable, being visible, uh, and and scaling beyond your line of sight, right? When it comes to the leadership, well, so I think there's two things there, Jake. You said um, I think the key word, which is being intentional, um, and even even right now, you know, as we're doing, you know, interacting more virtually, I think it's, you know, it's identifying those key connections and being intentional about um, nurturing that connection, that relationship. Um, And I think that's true, you know, across a large team, you're not going to know everyone, you know, and so I think there's different um, formats, different ways that you can show up and be seen to to meet different needs for different individuals but i think it's important that you have you know so i had i had teams across 15 locations in the us and i think it's really important that you have at least a handful of of folks that you have a strong relationship that you trust that trust you um so that you can stay connected to the location through those those individuals. In, in addition to you know, there's there's town halls and and site visits and and things that you know are really important as well. Um, but I think I think you've you've got to you've got to stay connected to what's going on on the ground and and not have that just be through your organizational structure. Who you know your your leader that you've appointed, but 
you know, but others, you know, in, in different parts of that organization that um, will speak up and, and, you know, make sure that what's, what's really happening, the, the behaviors that, that they're seeing, um, you know, make it to you so that, um, you know, you can, you can help them, you can act on that. Yeah, I think one of the one of the techniques that I had used um, when you have town halls and you're speaking to large teams, right? There is uh, there is still uh, uh, team members who probably won't feel comfortable raising their hand and talking uh, in front of other people, right? Especially if there are difficult questions uh, that somebody needs to ask. Uh, so one thing that I had done was um, create sort of an uh, uh, open CTO office hours where uh, uh, every um, uh, once a month uh, on a Wednesday, I will actually block off my entire afternoon. Uh, you didn't have to actually schedule a meeting. Uh, you could just walk in. Um, so you didn't even have to go through uh, my EA, which which anyway was a difficult task to get through her. Um, but uh, it was sort of an opportunity for anyone to come in without having any agenda, without having any question uh, and really sometimes come and talk about something that was not related to work at all, right? So I had uh, developers walk in and show me a game that they built out in their free time, right? Uh, something that they tried at home in uh, as their pet project, um, which had nothing to do with, uh, uh, with what they were working on at, uh, at work. So I think building that connection and, and creating that opportunity uh, for people to have access to you. Uh, and there isn't just one way, right? You have to be visible. Uh, you have to have a presence where you uh, clearly articulate your vision, uh, reinforce that through rest of your leadership team and the team members, uh, communicate through whether it is newsletters or emails that you sent out or things that you say and write and do. But I think there are also informal channels that you have to establish and create as many opportunities of touch points as possible. Yeah, if we did, I, I would um, blog kind of to the team um, about things I was I was doing. So we came back from reInvent. I'd you know I'd blog about reInvent or um, new initiatives we were starting up and that that sort of thing to to have just a different way of, of connecting and communicating to the team. We also did, uh, we used an app and I think it was called Poll Anywhere, but it was um, during our town halls, it gave folks a, a way to put questions out there and folks could plus one, you know, the, the questions and it would kind of bubble up the questions that the, the organization broadly wanted to hear. Um, so that was, that was great in, to your point, not having to stand up, you know, walk to a mic, stand up and, and ask the question in front of everybody. Um, and so we did that in combination with like a, we did a tour essentially where our town halls, we'd, we'd do it at a different site, you know, every quarter or whatever. And, and that was to, to just one, bring the leadership team to that, to that location, but just get a different, different audience, different set of, um, of interactions and questions and, it's such an important topic because, and I'm so glad you brought this up, Bishop, because um, you know, I'm listening to you guys talk and I'm thinking about um, how I would answer this. And, and it's, you know, there's so, there's so much here and it's so critical because uh, you, your people who are on the front lines, they're, they're the ones that 
you know, have the intelligence that as a leader you need. And I think most leaders don't get that. And it's a, it's up to the leader to ensure that they, um, are accessible, but it's more than just being accessible because I think having an open door policy isn't enough. There's a lot of people just not going to walk through that door. Right. And one thing that I learned, a big thing that I learned was that most people, most of the time are not comfortable talking in a large group, like in a formal company setting. So, you know, I would get very frustrated going into a conference room with, with, you know, some, some of my, my, my team and, uh, you know, ask a question and no one wanted to speak up. But after the meeting, I'd get people coming up to me individually answering the question. And I would get so frustrated. Why can't we talk about this as a team? Right. But, you know, you forget that it could be very intimidating for a lot of people to speak up in front of a large group. So I think part of the trick uh, to kind of be proactive about this as a leader is to um, make those situations happen, you know, proactively go and have one on ones do, you know, skip one on ones, um, not just with your directs, go, go to, you know, find time like once a year to talk to everyone on your team. Right. Um, and you'll be surprised some of the things you you'll, you'll hear, um, things that you need to know good and bad, and it'll help you make better decisions. Yeah. Yeah. True. Uh, we also, uh, one of the things that, uh, that we tried, uh, which I think, uh, worked really well was we, uh, had teams, uh, five different teams that were focused on, uh, specific areas of, uh, culture, communication, uh, fun. Um, and these teams consisted of uh, people that were uh, not my directs. So they were they were pretty much two levels or below, right? And the idea there was um, not only to provide them sort of an opportunity to lead something, right? Uh, but also to, to make it much more comfortable for people to talk to their peers about what, what's actually going on, what would they like to see change, uh, how should we do things differently. And we actually had these teams come in uh, on rotation to our leadership team where they would actually talk about things that um, they would pick up from their peers uh, from around the department, right, where someone may not feel comfortable bringing that up to the leader. Uh, and they, that's not always around things that we're not working well. It could also be around things that uh, new ideas, hey, we should actually be doubling down our investment on this. Or, you know, that pilot project that we did was so successful. Why didn't we go forward with that? Why didn't that get funded, right? Um, because uh, uh, someone was so passionate about it and they had the results. It's just that, you know, somehow out of the 100 projects we were trying to do that got on the chopping board. But how do you actually bring that up? And then you get to pick up patterns and understand that there are avenues and multiple avenues that you can create for people to go and present and talk about those things. So I think having that cross-functional team uh, that consisted of sort of uh, uh, folks who were uh, at the line level was very important for us to continue to pick up those signals from uh, from the department. Yeah, I, I think it's... Um challenging i found to as a leader to to gather that information right to go and have those skip level conversations and take that and pause and get it a little get get it some additional information to put it into context to make sure that you fully understand the picture um i've i've seen leaders 
you know, go kind of deep into get, get a person's opinion, um, you know, on a topic and, and start acting and reacting, you know, based on that, um, that one piece of data. And so it's, you have to be really disciplined, I think, to, to take that as, as one input and then go validate that input and, and gather some additional data to form that, that full picture. It's, it's hard to do. Um, and especially when you're, you're busy, which most executives are, um, extremely busy. It's, it's a lot easier to react. Um, and, and there's a, you know, we have this urge to want to act, uh, but you've got to be patient. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, Brian. Uh, um, and it's also, yeah, it's also about sort of filtering out signal from the noise and, uh, and not reacting to, uh, everything that gets escalated or comes your way, um, but I think what I found was, you know, it's it's really what Jeff talks about uh, is picking up on those anecdotes. Uh, they were just they were just very powerful because sometimes you, even if you pick up and you disagree, it's an opportunity for you as a leader to go and communicate why you made certain decision, right? Um, not that you are going to change your mind, but that is an opportunity for you to stand up and explain. Um, as to why and what was the rationale behind making that decision. Right. Yeah. I think, I think this is actually uh, something that doesn't get talked about enough because, you know, it's, it's, I think one of the most challenging parts of being uh, a leader, um, it, it's, it's the, you know, it's a snafu principle. If you're familiar with that communication is only possible between equals, you know, the boss tends to only get good news from its subordinates, right? Because you never want to come to your boss with bad news because you fear what, what the, uh, result will be from that. And so as a leader, you're always hearing, uh, you know, uh, great things, you know, all your people are coming to you with great things. So you have this kind of distorted view of the world and it's very difficult to make intelligent decisions with that distorted view. So you could make the argument that, um, unbiased information is one of the most valuable things that a leader can have. And you have to make a consistent, intentional effort to seek that out and create forcing functions so that you you get that information. Otherwise, you're just living kind of in a delusion. Yeah. Jake, I, I would add one thing there, though. I think it's uh, two extremes that you get, right, as a, as a senior executive. Either it's the, this is the fantastic news, everything is in control, or something has been now tried, tested, escalated several times, and it's beyond, uh, you know, and this is this is sort of the really bad news, right? So it's really, you're dealing in extremes uh, oftentimes, and it's really how do you find the balance uh, between those extremes to guide and manage and really pick up what you need to focus on and how do you prioritize between those extremes of good and bad? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. It's, it's very hard to get that balance because there's certain people who are going to come to you and be that squeaky wheel that, you know, that gets the grease over and over again. And if you're just basically equally weighting everything, then, you, you, you know, you're not going to see things uh, in reality. We've talked about some of the new trends going on and, and some of our observations. We've talked a lot about communication and you know, how to lead both, both in the current situation and, and in general in larger organizations. I'm curious about, you know, what you guys foresee continuing, um, you know, being, being adopted more long-term? Um, I, I think in my mind, one of the things, uh, that will continue is 
much more acceptance to uh, the virtual workforce and uh, communication with teams that are global. I think it is it has improved quite a bit. Even leaders um, who are normally much more comfortable with a face-to-face interactions uh, and some of the things that we just talked about uh, being senior executives, you you do town halls, you get them in front of the people and you talk, right? Um, leaders are finding new ways to engage their teams um, remotely now. And I think that will continue. I think there is going to be uh, more emphasis on maybe a much more frequent communication because now you can reach people virtually uh, around the world. Maybe there is opportunity to communicate much more frequently. Uh, there is an opportunity to have a two-way dialogue um, with this virtual mechanism uh, that you can continue to have. So that I think that is one trend that I see will continue is uh, more communication, frequent communication, and sort of much more of virtual workforce and teams. Right. And, and more empathy for you know, those that have been virtual this whole time, because I'm sure we've all had those team members. And, um, you know, one of the things, you know, some feedback that I got was, uh, those, they, they don't always feel like they're a full member of the team, right? But now we're all in that situation. And so we're all kind of, uh, living through that. And I think we'll go back, uh, you know, to a world where, uh, those are continue to work virtually. And I think they will be even more than they were before. Uh, we'll have more empathy for them, and we'll we'll do more to ensure that they uh, that they're a you know full fledged member of the team and treated like everyone else. Yeah, so that brings up. Um, I was going to comment on the same thing, Jake. It's like we've removed the nucleus, right? Like the everything used to center around the people in the room, and and everyone else kind of was forced to manage around that experience. Um, and we actually at, at Cox Automotive, I had a. I had a couple folks that were co-located with me and the rest, we were all in different locations. And so we, the folks that, that were, you know, sitting where I was sitting, they'd still come into my office for the meeting, but rather than joining on my room video system, um, we'd all join on our laptops. Um, sometimes we'd stay in our office and join from our laptops so that we each had individual videos so that we were, kind of still talking to the computer and not not having dialogue in the room that isolated folks that were on on the phone so um i see i see a lot of that happening now and it's it's great to see that evolution all right this has been another great conversation thank you guys very much please submit your questions directly to us on the enterprise strategy blog or reach out to us on linkedin and we'll do our best to answer those in future episodes See you next time.